Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. This is episode 117, and I'm super excited tonight uh, to be joined by Jonathan Willis on the podcast. Jonathan, how are you? I am doing good. Doing good. Glad to be here. Awesome. We were just chatting a little bit. You're, you're in some tropical weather again for the second time in what, about a month? Uh, yeah, this is actually, I think it's only been three weeks since we had Hurricane Florence come through here, and uh, now we have more tropical storm weather, and it's been lots of, it's been interesting, let's just say that. Um, right. It's definitely been a learning experience for me. But. Um, did you have to evacuate with Hurricane Florence? Um, with Florence, there was a mandatory evacuation. Um, however, my family lives around here too, so they were like, we're not leaving our stuff, and I'm like, great. Uh, it'll be my luck that I'll evacuate and then not be able to get back to my family. So we kind of roughed it out too and kind of just all pitched in and helped with the cleanups and the efforts here. And um, we got really lucky. We were really blessed with um, the fact that we only lost like four shingles, <laughs> um, whereas other people that we knew like lost their whole house. So um, yeah. it's been, it's been uh, crazy, but uh, you know, it's, it's been a really good experience too. And I know that probably sounds weird, but the community here has just really just came together and just seeing everyone pitching in to help each other, like regardless the, because everyone was tired and hot and sweaty. I mean, it was just, it was just cool to see. Like, I mean, the love that just came through it. Um, if anything good that came from it, it was that. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I lived eight years in Houston and the year before I came, Hurricane Ike hit, which was like awful. And then two weeks after I moved back to Wisconsin, Hurricane Harvey came. So oh. I missed I missed both of the big ones. But I, I've told people when I come back, like I, I will I would rather drive in snow than drive in a ton of rain. Like the rain scares oh. me to death. And that was I think that was the biggest thing here was because I guess, because see, I just moved back to North Carolina from Tennessee, and uh, I guess the whole month of July was nothing but rain, and so I guess it never really got a chance to fully dry up, and then we got dumped, I think it was four, over 40 inches of rain in like a three-day period, and I mean, so now we're getting, I think they're saying it's supposed to be another eight inches of rain with this storm, so we're all kind of tired of being wet, too, so I completely understand <laughs> Yeah, you know, that was the crazy part about being in Houston is like you saw videos all the time of people that would like drive down the road into into water and have no idea how deep it is and they drive in and get stuck or drive in and get, sw drive in and get swept away. Yeah, and I mean, that's just something I don't mess with um, is the water aspect of it. I'm like, no, I'll just, I'll stay at home and just rough it out here if I have to, but oh. I'm there was actually just a the finest layer of snow on the deck this morning, and I just was like so heartbroken. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's still actually surprisingly like eighties in the eighties right now here. So nice. Um, yeah, I don't have to worry about being too cold yet. But yeah, all right. So if you don't mind, Jonathan, could you just kind of give us a, a little rundown of who you are and and talk about why it is that you chose to become a teacher or become a teacher? I should say. I should say. Um. So for me, I never wanted to be a teacher. Uh, I don't think it ever really crossed my mind. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I, I used to play school as a kid. And for me, that was never really the thing. I was, I think I played Indiana Jones all the time. Like I was just like, 
to be an adventurous. Um, and so becoming a teacher was just never something that really just jumped out at me. Um, I actually have always loved school and enjoyed going to school. Uh, but when I went off to college, I was like, I'm going to be a pharmacist because I was like, I'm going to chase the dollar signs. That's what yeah. I think that's really where it all kind of came down to. Um, unfortunately, organic chemistry kind of killed that dream for me. Um, not my thing <laughs> at all. I don't even know how I passed that class. <laughs> I'm glad right. I never take it. Uh, but I came home that summer and I started working at a uh, day camp uh, through our local parks and recreation. And it just so happened that uh, they were very inclusive and that was something I didn't even really know what that meant at the time. Uh, but I had four kids that were in the classroom um, in my actual camp class that had special needs. And I just kind of was naturally drawn towards them. Uh, however, we had these uh, little old ladies called foster grandparents. There was a nursing home across the street. They would come over and make snacks every day uh, for the kids. And one of them, she kind of stopped me. And she goes, you need to be in special ed. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I, li I literally just kind of looked at her and like, what is that? Uh, and I kind of started looking into special education and kind of gaining some research on it. And I was like, you know what? This is, probably something I could do. I could really see myself doing this and went back to school, changed my major and I've never looked back. And nice. So Nice. So you, so you said you grew up in North Carolina though? I did. Um, I am actually about an hour from my hometown right now uh, and grew up born and raised here right at the beach. Always loved <laughs> the ocean and right. um, moved away to Tennessee for a job. And luckily I got, a transfer to come back and I was like, well, let's do it. Let's, let's come back. Nice. nice. So in, in your educational experience, did you have a, a, a favorite teacher, someone that really stood out to you? Uh, so th there's a lot of teachers and I probably would, <laughs> they would probably get upset if I didn't name them. Um, but there's, there are a lot of teachers that I've always loved and I always looked up to and kind of respected for me. Uh, I think it all kind of comes down to my fourth grade teacher. Actually, she was my fourth and fifth grade teacher because we did the, the looping where she looped up with us um, the next year, which was awesome because I loved her. Um, but she was just one of those teachers who, like, you walked into the classroom and she kind of exuded this passion. And she was just so excited about whatever it was that we were learning. And she was so hands-on and she kind of let us really take the reins of our learning. Um, and I love that because she would let us be like, if there was a book that interests us, she would like let us act it out as a play. And she would just kind of be like, hey, if it's something that you guys want to do, she made it into a lesson that just kind of like rocked. And you just loved coming to school every day. And, and that just really... And not only that, I think she just really made everyone feel important. Um, and that's Miss Montgomery, if I didn't even say her name. Miss um, Montgomery is, uh, was my fourth grade teacher, but she, she was phenomenal. And she just made you love coming to school. And that's, that was so important to me. Do you, do you see some of yourself in her? Or, or do you see kind of some of the things that she did? Does that affect how you are as a teacher now? It definitely does. Uh, one of the things I I think I'm really big on, um, and I think a lot of people through the Instagram community are, is building relationships with your kids. 
Um, and I, and I think once I really realized how important that was, I started really thinking back to Miss Montgomery and like how she made me feel. Um, and just her taking that time to build that relationship. Uh, so what I do in my class is I'll find some interest with my kids and I just try to find ways that I can completely shape whatever lesson we're doing. That's going to really tie into something that they love that excites them. Um, what like last year I did a dinosaur day we were finishing up rocks and minerals i had like three students who were obsessed with dinosaurs i mean who isn't uh but it was it was great because i transformed the whole room into this dino dig and we made like dino cookies that day and we just really they they were just so excited they walked in and it was like they they're still sending me stuff today like telling me how much they just loved it so it's just really those are the kind of things that i think i see myself i see her in me because she she did things like that and and that's what just makes me excited about teaching so you so you mentioned the relationship piece so it, when did you realize you know the relationship piece was important because we've had this conversation and to every teacher we've ever interviewed which isn't like 70 some everyone stresses relationships but i know in my collegiate experience there was never even a mention of the importance of relationships like I had to learn that on my own and I just, I just don't get how when it's so important, it's so overlooked in our preparedness programs. Um, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember ever talking about building relationships in my undergrad or even my master's class. I mean, my courses that I'm in right now. Um, but it is, it is something that I think you kind of, you have to, it's one of those like kind of on the job learning uh, things. And I wish that you kind of were prepared more uh, for that aspect because, uh, you know, I think coming in, you're as a first year teacher, you come in and you're just, what is it? Bright eyed, bushy tailed. You're just kind of like, Hey, everything's great. This is going to be amazing. I want my kids to like me. And then sometimes things don't always obviously go as you, as you plan. And maybe the year doesn't go as smoothly um, as possible. Right. Uh, and I think, it took a couple of years for me to really see that the more that I really started to pay attention to the student as a person and really understanding them as the individual, it helped me to not only build that relationship, but to take their learning to a whole new level. Uh, and because they, because I think they started to understand that I cared about them and that made them want to actually learn and listen more to me. Um, but it took about, I would say probably my third year of teaching before I really fully understand understood that. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm phrasing this question the way I want to, but do you, do you think it's more important for you as a SPED teacher working with, you know, students with disabilities to have good relationships than it may be for a regular teacher with regular kids? I mean, I, that's maybe not the way I want to phrase the question, but that's the best way I can think of it. <laughs> But I get what you're trying to say. Um, I think a lot of times, I think relationships, when you're building a relationship, I think it's important for, for any teacher to yeah. do that. Uh, definitely, I, I definitely stress that for anyone. Um, for me, uh, however, I think it is more, I feel like it's one of the most important parts of my job is to build that relationship. And I say that because there are so many aspects that go into special education 
um, like having to build also a strong rapport with their parents. And I think if their parents see you really putting in an effort to know their kid, to work with their kid, and to just love their kid, they, they really feel as though they can trust you more. And that makes your job so much easier, especially as a special ed teacher, because there is such a strong parental involvement that has to go into this job in order for it to be successful. So I do stress the relationships really big in my classroom. So we were talking a little bit, uh, you know, before we got on the podcast and, and back and forth, figuring out what we were going to talk about that you stress, like really trying to get your, your students with disabilities to be a bigger part of, of the, the school community does that involve you just working with your kids with disabilities to help them integrate? Or are you also working too with like the regular population to help them have the skills to integrate with them? Uh, so one of the things that I always do, I, it actually started my first year of teaching because of an incident that happened, which we never want to happen in any classroom. But I had a student um, who was, he was a second grader and he was just, he was a big kid. I mean, he was as tall as I was in second grade. Um, and I'm like 5'10". So, I mean, when oh he came up to the shoulder, in like... The second grade? Second grade. He's just, I mean, he, I mean, his, his dad was like 6'7". So, I mean, he was just going to be naturally just a, a tall kid. Um, and so he um, ended up having a meltdown in the library over having to wait to pick up a book. So my assistants, they did what they were supposed to. They had to kind of like help restrain him a little bit just to kind of calm him down however there were like other fifth graders who were in the library checking out books at that time and they saw that as someone hurting that kid and so they went to their teacher um to kind of be like hey we just saw something happen we don't know if we're supposed to report this or, or you know and it was and it kind of became an issue where we really needed to have those fifth graders understand our job and sometimes what our job might look like, the the ugly parts of special ed that we don't always want to talk about, but it's sometimes the reality of it. And and so we, what I did was with my principal, we we kind of sat down and we grabbed those those five students, and we did a lesson where they came to my classroom and they learned a little bit about what it meant to have a have a disability. Uh, we didn't really talk about what kid had a specific disability because I don't, that's not, that's not the important part. We just wanted to kind of give them a general idea that sometimes we just don't always get away and it's harder for kids to understand that than others. Um, and that in no way, and I also didn't want them to feel that they were in trouble by any means because I wanted to, I, I, I've stressed that a lot. I said, you did the right thing. You saw what you felt like was someone getting hurt and you reported that. I said, that's what we want. I said, don't feel like you did anything wrong because, you know, it, right now all it has done is open up a conversation to help them learn a little bit more. Well, the, the whole experience became something that was really positive and those five students actually started coming down and being peer buddies for my classroom. Aww. So then I was like, let's, let's do this on a grander scale. Um, and we invited every single classroom for a 20-minute session we did like we would read a little book outside about um, what makes us different what makes us the same and then they would come in and like view the classroom and learn a little bit about what we learn in my classroom and one of the ways I always tried to end it was I would always ask the question well do you think that we learn the same things that you guys do and like 98% would always like be screaming out no you don't learn what we do and I'm like oh like well do you guys 
do reading? Or, and they'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, we do reading every day. And they'll be like, oh, do you guys learn science? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, we love doing science experiences in here. And so they really start to see like, oh, they do learn the same things that we do. It just might look a little different. Um, and when they, when they, you started seeing little light bulbs just pop off and it really just, just doing those days, um, and taking the time to educate them a little bit more about our classroom and the population of our students, uh, really it brought together every school that I've worked at. (laughs) Like you just saw the kids would be more understanding if they saw a kid having a meltdown, they would learn to ignore, you know, behaviors that they might see when they're in an inclusion setting. Uh, And they actually wanted to get to know my kids more on a personal level. And that in itself was just worth gold to me. (laughs) Um, So that's one of the things I really do try to do is get them into my classroom um, as much as possible uh, and have them just really start to work with my kids and understand more about just how each of us are different in our own way. So, you know, with what you see teaching kids with disabilities and then having regular students, do you think it's kind of a reflection? Because I know we talked a little bit too about how you're really trying to change, you know, what it means for people to have disabilities, like in the broader sense beyond school. So is our, are our kids the way they view disabilities in schools kind of a reflection of, way, of the way society views disability? Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to say yes to that one. Um, and I think a lot of time uh, we see students in my classroom. My cl- typically, you'll see a classroom like mine at the back of the building in a trailer in the back, kind of pushed to the side on the outskirts of the actual school community. Uh, and I feel as though a lot of times that's how society views these people. Um, you either see them in an assisted living home or you might see someone working at a coffee shop or might see someone working, you know, at a restaurant rolling silverware. Uh, And you might run into someone in Target. Uh, But the thing is, you see so many of those, these, these people, and no one wants to always introduce themselves or come up and say hi it's more like, well, don't look at them. It's okay. Like that's kind of the perception that we give these kids is like, oh, well, just don't stare at them. It's okay. Like they're just different. Uh, and that was the whole purpose of me starting my Instagram account um, was really to, I wanted people to see what my kids are capable of. Uh, so many times you see, people in general in our society and even in the school setting uh, where they will sometimes say, well, these kids, well, they don't really learn something. It's, they don't really know how to read. And I'm like, yes, they do. Like come down and see, like see what they can do. And I think with special education, it's really hard to, to find people who want to show, show off their kids. And I don't mean like, I don't mean to say show off as in like the sense of like, hey, we're putting them on display. I really just want society to realize they have a value for our communities. They are just as valuable as you and I into our community. And if we don't start showing society what these kids, what these young adults are capable of, then we're never going to change their perception. They're always going to think that they're less 
And that's not the case. It's not true. Well, and, I, and, you know, in my experience too, from being a student to going to college and then teaching, you know, it's like the, the spectrum of, of what disability is to different people is so varied and it's so wide. And like you said, there's, there's so many kids that I met that were super high functioning in, in certain areas, you know, and they struggled in other ones. And I noticed that some of my inclusion kids were among the most empathetic kids that I had. They, they just really, you know, they just, for whatever reason had an intrinsic understanding of how people feel. And, you know, like you said, some of them may not express it always in the most, you know, appropriate (laughs) ways. Yeah. But, but I really look at that. So, I mean, so, so how do we work on that? How do we work on those stereotypes? I mean, I know you talked about, you know, the, the meetings you had, but what are some of the other things that we can do, you know, not only as educators, but us, you know, with our podcasts and things like that to. Um, I think any time you are given a platform to speak up about what people with disabilities can do, I think that's really going to be um, one of the strongest things that we can do right now. Uh, I think from a standpoint of teachers, uh, I, I think it's not only, I know that most special education teachers already have that passion for their students. Um, and it's it's almost having to share your passion with your general ed teachers and making them believe in everything that you're seeing in that kid too. If they can start to believe in that child, then they'll be more willing to want to see them included more into their activities in their general education classroom. And I think the more that these kids are in those settings, the more everyone is going to benefit because now all these other kids are seeing, you know, oh, hey, look, like little Jimmy over there, he's able to do this. Like, oh my gosh, like he's actually better at this than I am right now. And just being able to be like, hey, like play off of their strengths. you know, I think that's going to be super powerful. You know, I have seen a shift recently in in our society, at least through the mainstream media, when you see, um, like, TV shows, such as, like, The Good Doctor, where the main character has autism, but you see everything that he's so capable of, and and it's wonderful. And then you also see shows like Speechless, where, you know, the kid has cerebral palsy, and they're, they're, they're really highlighting a lot of these different disabilities in a positive light. And I think that's what we need to, I think that's what we need to focus on. Yeah. A lot of parents, a lot of teachers, they only want to see what the kids can't do. And when you only focus on what they can't do, then you're never going to really see what they can do. And that's what we, you know, and that's what we need to just be focusing on. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's an uphill battle to try to get society to change their viewpoints on this. And I think a lot of it is just educating yourself and educating others and just trying to understand, you know, where everyone is coming from with these types of things. And uh, it's a, what is it? Change is a slow process and hopefully we can try to um, speed it up a little bit. But Yeah. You know, and, and I've, taught in the inclusion setting where I had someone who was a co-teacher and then I've had, you know, other certified teachers that were just there in support. And then I had paraprofessionals that were there and 
I had some really bad experiences with them and I had some such good experiences with them. And I, and I think that's the struggle too of, you know, when you're co-teaching or something like that. I mean, do you do any co-teaching at all? Um, I do uh, do co-teaching. Um, so one of the things I always try to do, usually after I do our little like uh, diversity days, as we would call them, where the kids would come in and kind of learn about my classroom. Um, I would also invite every class with their teacher there being like, hey, would you like to one day maybe come down and do a lesson with us? Um, and so we do that reverse inclusion. <laughs> and we might do something really fun. So like um, like last year we made apple pizzas with the entire second grade because I had a we had I have a kitchen in my classroom. I know that's not always the case in every special needs class, um, but I was I'm very fortunate with that. And so then the, the other kids get to see that, oh, hey, these kids really know how to cook because it's something we practice every, you know, every week. Um, and so they, they get to see their, their confidence and the, their abilities too. Uh, I think a lot of times you, when I do my co-teaching um, experience, it's a lot of planning that has to go into that. And there's a lot of collaboration that has to go into it. Uh, this is my first year at my new school since I did just, like I said, I had moved this summer. Um, and for the last, I'm, I'm walking into a classroom for the last, that had subs for the last two years. They had a long-term sub the year before. And then last year they had two because one left in the middle of the year. So there's not been any consistency in, um, that classroom. And not only that, but because there's been so many subs, a lot of the general ed teachers were really hesitant, (laughs) um, at the beginning of the year as they should be. I mean, when you have a experience where maybe someone doesn't really understand their kids as much, and then they feel that they're not being supported as well from the special ed teacher, even though that that person was just a sub and is trying to do their best, you know, what they're given, uh, you know, I think a lot of people kind of do want to kind of sheer away from having, you know, experiences with the special needs population. And, um, and I really work hard to try to change that, uh, one of the things I do, which is probably not what most special education teachers do, is I set my classroom up like a regular ed classroom. I know that a lot of times they will remove all kinds of distractions from the walls and kind of set up where, okay, hey, like here's individual centers where they're like facing the wall and there's no distractions whatsoever. Um, and I'm the complete opposite of that. I put up distractions in my classroom uh, because I want them to know that when they go into their regular classroom or their general ed teacher with all those distractions that they can not only that they can focus in there you know I want them to be like the the world's distracting (laughs) and if you can't learn to work around those distractions and be successful with that then I failed you and that's how I feel Um, and so when I explain that to a lot of the teachers at my school they uh, it's a lot more work on me but they have been so much more open. And now I'm even having, it's a good problem to have. I'm having teachers being like, oh, can they come to the classroom a little bit more? Like, I would love to see them more in the classroom. And I'm like, what? Like, you act like, yes, like, let's get them out there more. Like, because that's what, that's the ultimate goal that we want for our kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it is, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work on the special ed teacher to, to prove to others sometimes that these kids are capable and that you have the support. If the special ed teacher is not supporting you as the general ed teacher, then there's a problem there um, because that's ultimately our goal too. We, we are there to support those kids. 
Yeah, I love that you're doing that because that you're not. Because I mean, I know even with regular kids, but with pet kids, like you keep them in this bubble, and then right. they go out to the to the mayhem, and they just are. You know, it was so funny to me because I'm I'm kind of that person. Like at 34, now I'm just like starting to under. I'm literally at the point in my life where like, if I'm writing something, I can't have music on because <laughs> I, I I get so distracted. And my, and my girlfriend and I were talking about this earlier today. She's like. I used to get so frustrated with you because we would be watching TV and I'd start to talk to you and you would tune me out. And she's like, I thought, I thought that you were intentionally ignoring me. Yeah. But now after months, she's realized that it's just, I, it I, just, I can't focus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, but that's, and our world is so much busier. If I feel like every year there's so much going on all the time. And one of my biggest things, I always try to use this as like a little, uh, I guess, metaphor for it, but, or just an example. A lot of times, like, you're going to have a kid who might go into Walmart. And if you go into Walmart, someone's not going to announce, oh, excuse me, this kid has autism, shut down the toy section. Like, that's not reality. Like, <laughs> like that's not going to happen. Distractions are going to be in this world. And if we're not teaching these kids how to cope with these distractions or how to manage their feelings because of these distractions, then we're not doing our job. And um, I know that probably sounds really rough, but I don't know how else it, to say it. I mean, it's, it's just, it doesn't. It's um, yeah. And I just want my kids to be as successful in every set, not just in my classroom. I want them to be successful in life. And right. that's what I really do try to prepare them. So you were talking a little bit uh, earlier about your, your Instagram and, and how it's con helped you connect with, with families. So could you explain a little bit more about how you're, how you're using that and, and how that's impacting your kids? So uh, for me, um, there's so many different layers to special education. Um, and one of the biggest things is just the legality of everything. Uh, there's lots of laws, lots of regulations. And one of the biggest things is privacy. Uh, which is totally understandable. So, yeah. uh, you know, you spoke about how people kind of put our kids in a bubble. And if we don't let them out of that bubble, then we're not really <laughs> seeing the successes that they can have. I think a lot of times school districts and parents also want to keep their kids in a bubble because it's the mm -hmm. safe place. And if we can keep them in a bubble, we can keep them as safe as possible because we love them. We want them to be protected. Totally understand that. Um, and so I was really fortunate that I had a school district that I worked for a school district who understand the vision that I wanted with this was just, like I said, was to just show the world like what these kids can do and just sh put a positive spin on special education. Um, and so once I got my school district on board, then it was like, okay, now I got to get the parents on board because right. I, I mean, I can't do this without the parents permission. Uh, and so one of the things that I did was I kind of invited everyone to our open house and I said, I, I contacted all the parents and I said, you know, Hey, I want everyone to meet at five o'clock. Um, I've got a little presentation for you guys. And I also, I had Zaxby's donate dinner for everyone that, night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, cause you know, food will always get someone to cut show up. <laughs> um, and so, Every single parent showed up. I went over my spiel, kind of gave them, and I, I tried to talk with as much passion as I could um, to let them understand that their kids' privacy would be respected if at any time they wanted to just be like, hey, I don't want 
my kid's picture is taken anymore. They don't even have to give me a reason. They can they can say that, and I'll automatically take it down because I just want to respect them. Um, and then I told them also, I said, I want to be as transparent with you guys as possible. I'll show parts of my personal life. I want to show some of the things I might be working on for the classroom. Some of the things you'll see that I'm going to be working on for specifically your kid because I want you to also see that I do put a lot of my heart and soul into special education and into my classroom and into your child as a person. And once I was able to explain that to them, every single parent signed off. Like they were like, right. let's do this. Um, every one of my parents follow me. Um, every, I know like nine, like nine people from our central office and our actual headquarters actually follow me as well. Um, Maybe. Are we hey, good? Can, oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I think my internet just popped for a second. So you were talking. <laughs> I was like, something just happened. But um, yeah, you were you were just saying that um, people from your central office were following you. Yeah, and so like I said, I try to be as transparent as possible, and I think that that aspect has really built has just built a stronger sense of trust with my parents. They see how hard I'm working. They see the the passion I have, and they see the vision that I have. They have just been so, um, just more understanding and just realizing that when we work together as a team, the more progress is happening with their kids. And it's been by far the best thing I've ever done um, was starting this was starting this account because mm. it has. It, I, I've seen such a growth in my students. I've seen such a, a positive growth with my parents as well. And they know that they can ask me any questions at any time. And I, that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here to help support too. Right. Um, so I know we talked a little bit in your, on your Instagram. It talks that you're an advocate for the LGBTQ community. So I'm, I'm wondering now in, in our society and, and kind of, as the teacher role kind of changes, how do you balance that between being an educator and both being an advocate? I mean, and I would wonder, especially too, in a place like, um, maybe I'm wrong, but North Carolina and Tennessee don't seem to be exactly the most um, liberal states. Um, right. Um, well, they are not the most liberal states. And I mean, and that's okay. Um, I think that a lot of times for me personally, it was always you always kind of hear horror stories being like, Oh, the, the gay teacher did this or the gay teacher did that. And it's kind of like uh, the, my, my first like few years of teaching, like I, I didn't talk about it. Like it was just something you just don't talk about. I was like, you know what? It doesn't define my teaching. It has nothing to do with my teaching. Um, and so I really did shy away from ever mentioning anything personal about my life at all. Um, I was fortunate to have a family who's, um, who had two moms and that kind of opened up a conversation one day and in my classroom and it was really cool because my kids just kind of like, Oh, okay. Like whatever. And, and that's kind of what we almost, 
what we almost want them to be like um, is just to be like, hey, they're a person too. Okay, they love differently, and we just, and you just move on. Uh, trying to make it as normal as possible. Um, I guess trying to get that sense of normalcy for it um, is really a big key aspect for me. Like right now, for me uh, in my classroom now, uh, there's a picture of me and my husband in there. And if a kid were to ask, then we can have that conversation. If they don't ask, that's fine. Um, I think in my classroom it is a little different than being in a general ed population because you might have those questions, those those topics of conversation might show up with either slanderous words or um, you know someone being a bully on, on something like that. So it's those those topics can easily be integrated into um, the curriculum and because it's it's character education <laughs> is what it all boils down to and just really starting to understand each person as. A person of who they are so I think for for me um, one of the things I just try to do is I just really try to make everyone just feel welcome and let everyone just feel like if they need to talk to me that they are more than welcome to always talk to me about anything um, I am very open with my relationship um, at the school with my um, other colleagues uh, and I think a lot of that um, has been really positive too because I kind of, again, moving into a new school, you don't know what you're going to walk into (laughs) and just coming in. And I was, I was like, you know, I can't, I can't expect a kid to, I can't look at a kid and say, you're wonderful for who you are. You have got all these strengths and all these skills and all these talents. And then personally be like, well, I don't need to tell you about this part of my life because I, I don't want to ever to feel like that. I'm ashamed of who I am. Um, but I kind of let that conversation occur organically in the classroom. It's nothing that I want to ever, I don't ever want anyone to feel like I'm, I'm pushing that on the kid or to push, you know, anything like that. Um, I do try to be really respectful, um, in those senses. Um, but at the same time, I'm not afraid to have those conversations either. Uh, if, if and when they need to be discussed. So. And you know, kind of as a follow-up to that, do you do you feel the same way kind of in terms of politically? Because it's seeming more and more now like that being a teacher is now a pol- a political job. Like there's there's politics in it. I mean, yes, education's been political, but it seems like the teacher now is starting to flex um, that muscle. Um I am very political outside of the classroom. <laughs> uh, right. I think a little my and and I have to be. Um, and I say that because you know I work for the Department of Defense schools, so I actually mm-hmm. work for a school system with like, the the government is my is my boss. So I cannot really. I am actually mandated not to get political in the classroom. Like we are not allowed to whatsoever. Um, and so that's always really hard for me because there's so many things that, you know, you do want to try to like have the kids understand more. Uh, uh, but it's just something, like I said, that is, it's a very touchy subject for me, for, for my, for me personally, only because I am literally mandated that I can't <laughs> always right. talk about it. But I I love seeing with teachers. I think it is something that is definitely becoming more mainstream in our media because there is such a teach shortage. There is, there's so many problems that come with education, and so 
the more that our teachers are being vocal about that, that's the only way that we're going to be able to change anything is if we are vocal and we are speaking our voices um, and being political as much as you might not want to be. I mean, it right. is kind of part of our territory. Um, and just those social justices, those aspects are huge right now in the um, in our classroom and in our school settings. And um, I think we're going to continue to see um, a rise in politicalness through teachers. And hopefully it's a positive <laughs> um, right. experience for, for all of us, really. Awesome. Well, we definitely, you know, want to be respectful of your time. So we're going to kind of get to the few final wrap up questions, but I, I get the feeling that we're going to have to, you know, later on, maybe after the new year, have you back on and talk a little more. Cause I, you know, it's, the, I think the best thing about this podcast for me is I'm just learning. I, 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 I just talk to people all the time and get to have conversations with people that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. So I think, I think that's so important too, is just, just being able to have those conversations and, you know, learn from each other. I mean, I think it's right. so important. Right. All right. So first of the final three questions, um, what is one thing you think every student should be taught? Okay. Um, that's hard for me because there's obviously so many things that need to be, you know, worked on in a, in a classroom and in our school settings. Um, but I think for me personally, I think every kid needs to have some sense of life skills. And I'm, and that just could be the fact that I teach a lot of life skills, but I see how important that is for, um, for every kid. So like I, when I had said earlier, when the kids would come in and do a cooking activity, just being able to see, like they learn, they're learning safety, they're learning measuring, they're learning how to read a recipe. So I think those little aspects, it's it's just it makes learning not only fun, um, but it makes learning purposeful because it's like, oh hey, I know how to do this now. I've done this at school. I've done this in my classroom. Um, I know how to cook. I know, I know how to like, you know, provide for myself a little bit. Right. Uh, and I think, I think any kind of life skill at all is really, really important. And, and I know that that's hard to teach in a regular general education classroom setting. Um, but there's other things like, I mean, life skills is also learning to bring your binder to school, everything in your backpack. Right. I mean, it's those executive, those executive functioning skills that actually, I mean, help you be successful so even those little things can be implemented easily into your curriculum awesome um if you could give one piece of advice to a teacher who is struggling working with kids with disabilities what would it be find your special ed teachers <laughs> um if that's what they're there for uh don't be afraid to ask questions um don't be afraid to tell them that you need help um uh, I mean, and if you have a teacher who you feel like is not being very supportive, reach out to me. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I really do want people to feel that they, they are supported because that's the only way those kids are going to be successful in their rooms is if they have the support. And so if you're a general teacher or a teacher just in general who's struggling with that, um, don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to seem like you don't have it all together because you don't know how to work with this kid because that's okay. Because even 
it, it, it takes us, the special ed teacher, to learn the kid to know how to work with them beforehand, too, to know what's going to work. So mm. use your supports within the, the system. And if you can't find that support, then go to your um, special ed director in your district and see what support they can give you. Um, just don't be afraid to reach out. Right. Right. And, and kind of on that note, so if people wanted to connect with you, follow you, get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I think right now it would probably be the best is to actually use my Instagram or my email. I mean, you're more than welcome to, but my email is actually attached to my Instagram page. So um, anytime someone wants to contact me through there or um, that's, that's great for me. Um, I'm, I try to, help every single person I can. I know one person the other day, she reached out to me. She's like, when do I, when am I going to start feeling like confident in paperwork? She's a second year special ed teacher. And I'm like, when you know, let me know. <laughs> uh, because the paperwork right. aspect is always, it is hard. And, uh, and I, I always want people to understand that not everything is going to be perfect and it doesn't have to be, but you need, you know, reach out for those supports because that's exactly what we're here for. Hmm. And, and just to put a little plug in for us, uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast the first time or coming back, we really appreciate it. If you could give us a rating and a review and subscribe, we'd really appreciate it. So I want to thank you so much, Jonathan, for your time. I'm glad we got yeah, to connect. Um, and, yeah, it's been great. And our final question, which I know we got you thinking, uh, what do you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done? So, when you presented this question to me earlier, I said this was the hardest one for me because I don't think I've ever thought of that. Um, I kind of joke around with people sometimes. And I'm like, I want to be the next Mother Teresa. And uh, they always seem to like laugh and be like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I, I think she just embodies a lot of qualities that I think are so important. Just, just being kind being authentic and being giving. Uh, I think those are the kind of things that I want my life I want to be remembered for those are the qualities I want to be remembered for um and I want to I hope to one day help change societal views of of how people with disability are viewed and and respected and I, I think that would be the ultimate legacy is to just you know kind of be like hey like he really helped get this movement started and and um that would be amazing uh and even if that doesn't come into fruition I mean you know, that's okay too. And um, yeah, I think that's kind of where, where I'm at with things right now. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, if there's ever anything that we can do, ever anything you want to talk about or anytime you ever want to just come back on the podcast, man, you, you got an open invitation. So. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Cause this was, this was great. Thank you for having me. All right, buddy. Thanks so much for coming on. All right. Thank you. <laughs>